1: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to The Health Hub. My name is Kathy Biasse, and along with our producer, Alex Diaz, we'd like to welcome you to the show. Good morning, Alex.
2: Good morning, Kathy.
1: How are you doing?
2: I'm doing all right, doing all right.
1: We're having a little laugh here because the (laughs) show is pre-recorded and we know it's going to be aired January 1st, so we're we're trying to keep that in mind. So we're recording right in the middle of holiday season. Uh, Are you going out of your mind here at the studio, Alex?
2: Well, not out of my mind, but I am am doing a little traveling out of the province. I'm going to Quebec to visit my family in Montreal. Nice. So by the time I hear this audio, it'll be New Year's and uh, we're celebrating with them.
1: Oh, well, that'd be excellent. Well, because it is New Year's Day when uh, our listeners, you guys are listening to the show, we would like to, um, on behalf of Alex, Danny, and myself, we would like to take this opportunity to wish you all a very, very happy New Year. And we hope that 2019 is a year filled with happiness and health. And I would also like to thank you for making 2018 such a great year for us. We truly are grateful for all your support, the questions you send in, the emails. It really helps us to uh, continue with our mission to bring you cutting-edge health and wellness. We really want your health just to take leaps and bounds. And again, on a personal note, Alex, Daniel, thank you so much for all you do. You keep my house in order, and I couldn't do this without you.
2: Well, we couldn't do the show without you, too, so we we really appreciate that you're spending so much time and energy to have these guests lined up and it's a lot of work that you also do during the course of the week so as much as we put in the effort you do too so thank you so much for that Oh, thank you
1: It, it truly is a pleasure So as I mentioned, today's show is pre-recorded, so no opportunity to call in. But please do follow us on our social media sites on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are the Health Hub RMC. And feel free to email us at thh at radiomaria.ca. Also, as you know, all of our shows are flipped over into a podcast format. We are the Health Hub on iTunes, SoundCloud, your favorite podcast platforms. And you can also find all of our podcasts on the Radio Maria Canada website, which is www.radiomaria.ca. And on my website, KathyBiasse.com. And if you hear what you like, leave us a lovely comment. It really helps to promote our guests. So on to the show today. The beginning of a new year seems like a great opportunity for a fresh start, doesn't it, Alex?
2: Yes, for sure.
1: 2019 is here. (laughs) Feet on the ground. Face forward. Let's make me a better me. Wonderful. Always great. Always great intentions to, to get this started at the beginning of the year. But we want to give you a few tips maybe to to help keep your resolutions in check and really to help you achieve your goals. And I'm just gonna give you three quick points that you can incorporate into your goal planning that hopefully will help you keep on point is actually estimated that one in three people who make these new year's resolutions they don't make it out the end of january so we're no. going to be solidly in that, that two-thirds i'm putting
2: it. my hand up for those yeah for those of you who are listening i'm 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 one of those people for sure
1: well not this year because we're going to give you solid tips i want to help you make your resolutions a reality oh
2: thanks so the first Kathy. thing
1: the you're, you're welcome alex hear them out first and then maybe you'll <laughs> maybe you'll appreciate it even more i'm sure um, i will
2: go ahead the first
1: thing that i want Want you guys to really do is make sure you want to do what you've actually stated you want to do so you know do you really want to give up that morning cup of coffee or turn it into a dandy blend coffee i mean that's a great coffee to have many people do that but is it a trendy thing or is it something that you really really want to do because if you're not Really invested in this New Year's resolution. It just won't happen. It just won't happen. It might.
2: It might happen for about a week, but that's it.
1: Exactly. And you. You really. You. You need. This is step two. Is to make this goal realistic. So, you know, um, the the example that I use. I just wrote a blog on this. Actually, is you know, don't plan on running a marathon if you do not own a pair of running shoes. You know, take it one step at a time. Yeah. Small steps are really important to help you achieve your goals. And the last thing, just quickly as I go through all these, is write your goals down. Studies have shown that there's a 42% increase in successful goal achievement if you actually write things down.
2: That's so true with anything, really. There's a lot of things that go on in our minds as it is, but we have to prioritize ourselves. And like you said, when you write it down, you're thinking about it, seeing it, and you're actually physically writing it. So in a sense... In three ways there, you're telling yourself, I have to look after myself. And by writing, it's gonna definitely help.
1: Yes, it's, it's like making it a habit. And I think just the actual fact of writing it down makes you more committed. It's like you're stating in some way, shape, solid form yeah. that we are committing to these goals. So just three quick tips, just wanted to get those out to you. And again, we hope that 2019 is filled with love, happiness, and health for you. When it comes to these goals, uh, for many of us, our news resolutions are centered around food and diet. But when it comes to knowing what to eat and what not to eat, the information floating around can be extremely confusing. I see this all the time. This coming January 6th, 2019, a documentary called Food for Thought will premiere on CBC's The Nature of Things at 8 p.m. This highly, highly relevant documentary reveals that an alarming 50% of the calories that we consume come from Processed foods. They are a combination of things like sugar, salt, hydrogenated oils, preservatives, and additives. These products are tasty. They're made to be tasty. They're made to help us crave them. And these foods are taking a serious toll on our health. Today on our show, we have researcher and filmmaker uh, of Food for Thought, Leora Eisen. Leora is an award-winning Canadian filmmaker and journalist specializing in long-form documentaries. Her work has appeared on CBC, Radio Canada, TVO, Discovery, History, and the Documentary Channel, as well as broadcasters around the globe. Leora is a recipient of a Gemini Award, several Gemini nominations, and most recently, a Canadian Screen Award nomination for Best Documentary. Food for Thought is the sixth science documentary that Leora has written and directed for CBC's The Nature of Things. In creating Food for Thought, Leora met up with leading scientists and food experts who shared some startling findings and who also offered, who also offered their views on our food habits and what we can do to change them. Her documentary addresses important dietary questions that many of us are asking, including are carbs really the enemy, why is junk food so addictive, how can we conquer our cravings, and should we be counting calories at all? We will be speaking with Leora today about what her research uncovered and why this documentary is so important for people to see. We'll be right back after our break.
3: snow From my doorstep, I just can't help but stop and grin It's like I'm ten years old again And everywhere I go, I can feel it Some say it moves like a spirit It falls on us once a year Like it came on at midnight clear. The soul of this season is a gift When love came down to Leslie Let's open up and let our hearts embrace this moment the sunrise. I sneak downstairs with the sparkling eyes, and oh, what joy it brings to me.
0: Continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Again, our show is pre-recorded, so no opportunity for calling in. But please feel free to message us on Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook. We are at The Health Hub RMC. And if you have any questions that you would like us to follow up with after hearing the show, do feel free to email us at thh@radiomaria.ca. at Leora, thank you for taking the time and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm very glad that um, we are talking about this documentary. Uh, and I think, you know, in the in the break that we had there, I misspoke about something. Can you correct me on that? Well, it's, it's a common uh,
4: misconception in that uh, you had said, uh, I believe, 50% of the calories we consume every day come from processed food. They actually come from ultra-processed food. Uh, it's a little confusing because people think processed food is all the same, and it isn't. There's different levels of process. and that's one of the ways scientists are now looking at how to measure the value of food and whether it's healthy for us or not. So uh, I'm actually glad that you did that, because that's actually something we might want to chat about.
1: So we're talking about, uh, I don't want to jump ahead on myself, but we're talking about food, processed food, and ultra processed food. Another another category to add on top of the confusion. Yeah.
4: So basically, unless it's, you know, the fresh fruit and veggies uh, that you're growing, um, most of our food is processed. If if you're boiling a potato or an egg and you pour salt into the pot of water, you're processing it. All it means is that you're transforming the food in some way. If you're sauteing your vegetables and you pour some olive oil uh, in the pan to uh, fry them up with, you're processing food. Frozen vegetables uh, are processed. Uh, tuna in a can is processed. Uh, and what scientists are worried about is not so much uh, all manufactured food. It's the stuff that they call some of them fake food. It's it's made up of chemicals and additives and preservatives and hydrogenated oils and added sugars and sodium uh, so that there's very little actual food in it, you know? So there's a big difference between a potato... And then, say, a baked potato, which uh, you've processed it, you've cooked it in some way, uh, and then uh, a bag of potato chips, which may have very little actual potato in them. So um, there's different levels of processing, and uh, what a lot of nutritionists are worried about is that half the calories Canadians eat every day come from ultra-processed food. So if you're in the supermarket and you're looking at a package and it's got uh, an endless list of ingredients, most of which are words you can't pronounce, that might be something you might want to think twice about.
1: Okay, see, 2019, I've already learned something right off the top. So basically, we're now classifying anything that we're cooking as, as processed. So we're we're sort of, Uh, either enhancing or or changing the the raw form of the food. So thank you. Good to know. And see, there's always a reason that I make mistakes, eh, Alex? (laughs) These things come to bear some light somehow. That's okay. So let's take a step back, and you can maybe answer this in – I'll do it a two-part one question – how did you actually get involved in filmmaking? I, I find that myself something very, very interesting that I'd like to learn. And then from there, what made you go into these this documentary that we're talking about?
4: Well, I got involved in filmmaking because I always wanted to be a journalist since I was a kid. I went to uh, university, then journalism school, uh, thought I was going to be a newspaper writer, a reporter, uh, ended up. Uh, taking a class in TV, loved it, ended up working at CTV for many years. Uh, and after that uh, freelance, then you start off in daily television and then do sort of longer pieces. And for the last many years, uh, have focused on hour-long or feature-length documentaries. And it comes down to being a curious person person. It's a great job if you're a little bit nosy and interested in lots of different things. I like to say uh, I'm only a tiny bit of an expert in a lot of things uh, and a big expert in nothing. So uh, I cover all kinds of topics. I love science. uh, And uh, food and nutrition is something that we're all interested in.
1: Are most of your documentaries about health, nutrition, or do you, do you go all over the place with what you do?
4: It's a wide range. Some uh, are about health and nutrition. Others are about people, uh, animals, uh, lifestyles, uh, other forms of science, all, all kinds over the years.
1: Very interesting. So Food for Thought, this documentary that we're focusing on today, how long did it take you to make this?
4: Well, I would say from uh the very beginning in terms of chatting about this as an idea with the executive producer of The Nature of Things at C B C uh until uh now is about a year. Wow. So it's it's a long time from conception to the time it actually airs because you have to do a lot of research you know, when you say, oh, I want to speak to some food experts and nutritionists, well, there's thousands upon thousands of them out there. What do I want to focus on? So that takes a long time. Then where am I going to film it? Then coming back with your footage, writing a script, editing it, cutting it down, making CBC happy, doing all of those things that is mm-hmm. actually a lengthy process.
1: So. The the purpose of this documentary, obviously, if you're going to commit a year long um, amount of time to something, you must have a passion. So why uh, food for thought?
4: Well, you know, uh, just having my family for dinner, for example. First of all, I'm not much of a cook. But I like learning about food. I like learning about cooking. I like learning about nutrition, even though I'm uh, not one of those people who you would uh, call a gourmet. Anyway, uh, I have two daughters. One has celiac disease. Uh, One has become a vegetarian. Uh, So that means I can't serve gluten uh, and I can't serve meat. I have friends I like to have over. One's on a low fat diet, one's on a low carb diet. I mean, uh it reaches a point where what's for dinner used to be a simple question, and now uh I mean it's like brain surgery. you mm-hmm. really have to figure it out um and part of that is because we're so bombarded with information now, which can be a great thing. you know, I want to learn about nutrition well. As one dietician calls it, you know, people turn to Dr. Google. The problem with Dr. Google is uh, there's so much information out there. You don't know what is accurate science. You don't know what the research is based on. It changes, it seems, weekly. So one day coffee's good for you. The next day coffee's awful. One day coconut oil is the panacea. The next day it's it's going to kill you. Um, and you're left thinking, oh, my God, what can I eat? Mm-hmm.
1: So, so very true. Um, I, I had the great good pleasure of screening the documentary. And I, I it was like, I can't wait for people to honestly, I can't because so many things that came out in that documentary are so relevant beyond actual food. And we'll, we'll get into all of that. But it starts off with Tim Spector. And uh, I think you've had him in a couple other of your documentaries. Yeah, very knowledgeable, knowledgeable person, and very easy to understand, and very relevant in what he says.
4: Yeah, wow. Tim is Tim so, is a wonderful scientist. I mean, I first met Tim, and he's a, a British uh, professor at King's College, London. He's a genetic epidemiologist by training, so. Uh, He's a doctor, uh, and he also runs the largest research uh, cohort uh, of twins in the UK. So, you know, when people study science, they often study twins to see if there's any uh, genetic variables, Um, and I happen to be an identical twin, and that's how I first met him, but he himself Became interested in diet and nutrition and health a number of years ago because he was starting to do some research uh, on gut bacteria and what those, what uh, all those little organisms that live in your gut uh, mean in terms of our health. And also, he was starting to explore food just because of his own interest in personal health. His father uh, had died in his 50s. Tim is an uh, avid cyclist. He tries to stay fit, but he wanted to know if he was eating the right things to stay healthy because of a history of disease in his family. So, all these different things came together. And a couple of years ago, he wrote a book called The Diet Myth. Uh, and now he's actually researching a brand new book, uh, which will be published uh, probably around the end of 2019, called Uh, tentatively food a user's guide because what he wants to do is see what food actually is because how can we talk about good or bad uh, without even understanding what it is and to be honest I had no clue what it is and food is actually hundreds of chemicals you know we think of it as oh well it's either fats or carbs or proteins or a fruit or a vegetable or a meat but actually it's made up of uh, hundreds of molecular combinations which interact uh, with our bodies in different ways um, and we all have different biology uh, we have different gut bugs we have different blood we have different psychology so this idea that there's one diet that's going to work for everybody doesn't make sense, sense to a scientist like Tim because he understands that it's complex
1: And he was right off the top of the show, and that's what hooked me, because I, you know, I'm not a scientist uh, by far. I'm not a scientist at all, um, but I like to do research, and I like to read about things, and he... It's, he exonerates what seems intuitive to many of us is that we're not all the same. So how can one diet, how can everybody stick to one diet and be healthy? And I, you know, as soon as I listened to what he had to say, I mean, I was just so excited for people to hear this. It's it's so many different things. And he talks about a diet revolution, as do many, uh, So in a roundabout way, as do many of the guests in your show. Why a diet revolution?
4: Well, it's funny because, Uh, you know, the food writer and food guru, really, Michael Pollan years ago, you know, came out with this idea that, you know, eat mostly plants, not too much, don't eat the stuff that your grandmother didn't have in her cupboard. It still holds true today. So, you know, what's new? Well, what's new is that things have been getting even worse, that, uh, you know, we know all of that. And yet, As we talked about earlier, half the calories we're consuming daily uh, come from ultra-processed food. And what's happened is the world around us has changed. Uh, It's become what they call an obesogenic environment, which basically an environment in which we live that makes it easy to get fat. Because, you know, hey, you're hungry, call Uber Eats. Mm-hmm. Grab the frozen pizza that's available to buy at the gas station. Uh, you know, it's 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 food is so easy and available and we're so stressed for time. Uh and it's many families, you know, both working parents and uh who's gonna feed the kids, uh, you know, order a pizza because it's easy. And um that's become challenging for us. And so even though we're aware that we should eat a healthier diet, you know, I still may eat a salad for lunch and then feel virtuous. But, (laughs) oh, I'm not really supposed to eat bread anymore. So I actually didn't fill up as much on my salad. So now it's 4 o'clock and I'm hungry. And so what I end up doing is reaching for a high-calorie snack uh, because I didn't have any fiber uh, except for my salad, uh, and now I'm hungry, and lo and behold, I've consumed a whole bunch of empty calories.
1: Mm -hmm. And it's
4: easy to see how that happens.
1: It is. And it's also easy to see how people feel guilty all the time with what they're eating. I mean, it's, you know, we've got this burden on us that we don't know what to eat. We always feel like we're eating the wrong thing. And just a a quick thing before we go to break, because I want to make sure I get this included in this half, is you had a guest on your show that talked about getting back into the kitchen. Actually, you had three people that were talking and cooking and, and how important it is to get back into the kitchen. Why is that so Well, it's interesting
4: because I hadn't really thought about that. You know, when we're talking about nutrition, uh, I I didn't really really relate it to are you cooking at home? Uh, And public health and nutrition experts stress that cooking has to be a public health priority. Um, And that's because if you are making something at home, uh, chances, A, you know what's in it which you don't really at a restaurant, even if it lists the ingredients, um, B, chances are you're going to use more fresh food and eat less ultra-processed food. Um, and so they believe that it's not a hobby. Uh, it's not a luxury. It's a public health priority. Uh, it also means... Uh, Chances are you're eating meals together as a family instead of, you know, standing up at the counter and grabbing a quick snack because research also suggests that eating a proper meal uh, and slowing down as you eat it is actually a healthier way to eat.
1: Yes. And uh, you know, you've given us a perfect place to end off here for the first half, because this what you just touched upon here, not just what we eat, but how we eat it is something that is so relevant and people need to hear this. So we'll be back in a couple of minutes after our break, everybody.
5: it down.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Again, the show is pre-recorded, but do follow us on our social media sites. We are at the Health Hub RMC on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and feel free to email us at THH at radiomaria.ca. Once again here, we are talking with Leora Eisen. She has a new documentary coming out on the CBC's The Nature of Things. It's called Food for Thought, and it will be airing January 6th. We will stick with us to the end of the show. We'll give you all the details uh, about when to see this fantastic documentary that's coming out. So Leora, um, we left off at a great part um, that I really want to get back into because I love this part about nutrition going beyond just, uh, you know, the phytochemicals, proteins, carbs. But let's quickly talk about what came out about calories in the documentary.
4: Well, first of all, how many of us really know or understand what a calorie is? You kind of have this general idea, or oh, if you have a lot of them, it's bad. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't think most of us, including me, really understood what it is. Um, and And so I learned a bit about uh why calories matter um and calories really uh are the fuel that makes our body work so you know you eat food uh that's converted through your metabolism into the energy you need to run everything in your body um and you know if if you eat too many of it uh you're going to gain weight and that's the general idea however it's not quite that simple because people are always talking about the uh, quantity of calories and uh, researchers will point out um, you have to think about the quality so say uh, a half a plain donut and an apple are approximately the same number of calories and so if you're you know saying oh I'm on a restricted diet of 1,200 calories a day well uh, that apple, And that half a donut may be the same number of calories, but they're going to do completely different things for your body because that apple has fiber, it has vitamins, it has things that you need. Uh, And that donut is basically ultra-processed fats and sugars, uh, and those are empty calories that don't benefit your health in any way. And so we should be thinking about quality uh, and not just quantity. The other thing is, a number of scientists told me they're really hard to count. Even for them, it's complicated. Uh, you're going to make mistakes. Uh, you know, are you weighing everything perfectly, et cetera. And you might see calories listed on a menu at a restaurant and think it's accurate. But that's based on averages. You know, governments measure uh, calories and that's what ends up on the label of a can or on a restaurant menu but one researcher in Boston, Sue Roberts, who used to be uh, clinically obese herself. So uh, she's speaking from experience and not just from uh, a research perspective. She actually uh, was part of a study that measured the calories in 123 different restaurant entrees. Um, and it was scary. Uh, you know, something that is allegedly a 450 calorie burrito, was actually uh, up there in the, I don't know, a 1,000 calorie mm-hmm. range uh, or something like that. It's highly inaccurate um, and, and she believes a better way to measure the value of food is how filling is it. Um, if you eat that donut, and she was addicted to donuts, which is why I always bring it up as an example, Um, you're literally hungry two hours later because that's just basically sugar going straight into your bloodstream uh, and it doesn't, uh, it it digests very quickly and doesn't fill you up. Whereas if you eat that fiber-filled apple, it's going to take longer for you to get hungry or you might eat less later. Um, So she believes that what they call satiety, which is another word for filling you up, uh, makes sense. And there are great, healthy snacks that you can eat. Things like, um, you know, a handful of almonds in the morning is better than that half a donut. Um, And yes, there may be a lot of fats in those nuts, but those can be healthy fats. And there may be a lot of carbs in your still-cut oatmeal, but those are healthy carbs as opposed to, you know three slices of processed white bread on your toast. So instead of looking at fat and carbs and calories as these things unto themselves uh think about the
1: quality of the food. Uh and that's a different way of thinking for me anyways. Well it's a refreshing way of thinking because people who are in this um this industry i have many people coming in talking specifically about fats versus carbs and and it's such a refreshing um a refreshing take that scientists are are looking at food as a whole instead of pulling out uh, the ingredients and trying to, 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 to instead of taking the whole food, they're trying to take pieces of it. I, I think this comes right full circle back into getting into the kitchen, but it also is um, speaks to knowing yourself. And speaks to yeah yeah, taking the time and this is this is something I want to spend a a good bit of time on because I think this is something that's missing with a lot of people in their diet and this is not just the fat or the, the the calories that they're consuming but it's also the manner in which they consume them and I found this to be a great segment on the documentary so maybe we could get into talking about that there was one part of the documentary that dealt with standing versus eating. So maybe we can start there.
4: Sure. Um, There's a health psychology professor uh, in England named Jane Ogden, who's done some fascinating work in this area. She um, did a study where there were 80 participants, all women, uh, so quite a large uh, group, and 40 of them uh, ate pasta that was labeled as a snack, and 40 of them ate pasta that was labeled as a meal. And some of the women who had the snack ate it standing up with a plastic fork straight out of the carton, and uh, some of the women who had it as a meal were told to eat it sitting down at a table on a real plate using real silverware cutlery. Um, and what do you think happens well maybe it's not surprising but it surprised me a little uh the people who thought it was a snack ate more later on they ate more junk food so not only were they served the same amount of pasta not only did the people snacking consume more pasta but they were given the option of doing a taste test on candy and pretzels and that kind of thing Um, And they ate more of the junk food, too. And she explains it by saying it's as if our minds don't process that we've eaten when we're eating quickly on the go as a snack. We're not thinking, oh, I've had lunch. I've had dinner. Um, and And so you actually are sending signals to yourself that you're hungrier. Um, I found that fascinating because, we, as you say, we, we often think about what we eat, but we don't think about how we eat it. And that is uh, really an interesting thing because we live in a very fast-moving society where we're eating while we're talking on the phone, we're eating while we're driving our kids to hockey, we're eating in front of the television, Um And she's also done research that shows uh, if you eat while driving the car or you eat in front of the telly, as she calls it, you're going to eat more than if you're not distracted and not doing anything but just eating your food.
1: It's such a vital piece, especially for people who want, it's not just wanting to lose weight. It's also for um, absorbing the nutrients. It's just I, I just I can't wait till this comes out for people to see it. It's just such a, a great, great piece of filmmaking when it comes to nutrition and health. Now you took oh, your thank you. oh, you're very well, I'm, and I I'm, I really I was just so excited to, to watch it. I, I just can't, I was sorry when it was over. Uh, literally, I was sorry uh-huh. when it was over. Um, and you took your film crew to Brazil. Now, why did you go? Yeah to Brazil and why do you feel that's relevant for Canadians to take a crew to Brazil? Well,
4: uh, there's a couple reasons. Um, one thing is um, that Brazil's a, the big problem used to be malnutrition but in more recent years um, they've developed an obesity crisis just like we have and that's because their sort of traditional diet is being somewhat replaced by the same ultra-processed junky food that we're eating, um, whether it's, you know, a fast food burger or whether it's, uh, a package of instant noodles from the corner store. Um, and so the, uh, public health officials and nutrition experts in Brazil have actually written a food guide that is considered a model for the world. And one of the contributors and researchers Involved with that research is actually a Canadian named Jean-Claude Mubarak uh, from University of Montreal. And he works with his colleagues at the University of Sao Paulo. Um, and it's considered revolutionary simply because they're not saying eat this much uh, dairy, this much meat, uh, this much protein, this much fat. They're saying avoid ultra-processed food go back to the kitchen, uh, try and do it with your family. They're not saying, oh, you know, we're nostalgic for when women wore the apron and and cooked meals for the rest of the family. They're saying it should be a family activity, everybody involved in planning and cooking um, and eating as much fresh food as possible. And they're not saying avoid all processed food. They're just saying avoid the really dangerous stuff. And in fact... I was quite surprised to find out that uh, the number one risk factor for death in Canada, according to the Heart and Stroke Foundation, is poor diet. You know, if you had asked me that before doing the film, I would have said smoking, or car accidents, or drugs. It's not. It's our diet. So it's not just about obesity. It's about diabetes. It's about heart disease. It's about cancer. It's about all kinds of Illnesses and diseases uh, that are related to nutrition,
1: and people need to understand that. People clearly need to understand that what they eat is either going to help them on the path of health or lead them down the path of chronic illness. And you know, with Canada's uh, health guide about to come out, um, it seems it seems like Brazil has a lot to show us. You know, how many people, yeah. we, we don't seem to think, some of us don't seem to think that these guidelines are even paid attention to, but when they're given out by health professionals and dieticians in the hospital, we need to have something that is solid, a solid research piece of material.
4: Well, that's exactly it. And and uh, Health Canada is supposed to come out with uh, their new revised food guide uh, early in uh, the year and it's the first revisions in uh, a decade at least and it is important because even if you're not, you know, if, even if it's not something you sit on the subway and read, um, there are uh, medical professionals, hospitals, uh, school curriculums and other things that are based on the Canada Food Guide and uh, ours is kind of outdated. Uh, there's new ways of thinking um, uh, Jean Claude Mubarak, who's in Food for Thought, is one of many experts who have been consulted. But, uh, you know, there's a powerful uh, food lobby out there because obviously manufacturers of ultra packaged goods want us to keep eating them. And so, you know, uh, nutritionists are constantly working against this, these huge marketing campaigns that. Uh, are aimed not just at us, but at our kids. And that was another interesting point. You know, uh, I was a sucker for this. My kids were little. You would look at the cereal box, and in big, colorful letters, it would say added fiber. And you would think, wow, that's something I'm I'm doing. A good job as a parent here. I'm going to buy that for my kids. Well, it didn't say, but that doesn't mean we reduced all that added sugar we also threw in. So you have to be very careful about, you know, messages that are marketed. Um, Sweetened fruit juice is something that all the nutritionists are always going on about because, you know, many parents consider an apple juice box and an apple the same thing. Um, And I really didn't think juice was a bad thing when my kids were growing up. Well, what's in that juice? That's something that you have to uh, consider.
1: It's very true. I mean, this uh, documentary is a tool for nutritionists. It really is. It's something that they can use and refer to. Uh, I'm thankful for it. I really am. Um, Oh, thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Now, one interesting thing that came out of the documentary was that you can rewire your brain. So for those of us moms and uh, me included, I did not back in the, the time when my kids were growing up, I did not think apple juice was as bad as it's turned out to be. I didn't think that some of the cereals were as bad. It was an education for me as I went on further in my career. But we haven't done irreparable damage to our kids, because it came out that not just our children, but we, too, can rewire our brains. You can. Uh, this,
4: uh, this was uh, some research specifically related uh, to a group of overweight participants who were put on a a special diet uh, at Tufts University. And uh, Sue Roberts is the name of the nutrition researcher who did this study. And as I mentioned before, she was clinically obese herself. Uh, A number of years ago, uh, she was uh, at least 50 pounds overweight. Uh, Growing up, she was the fattest kid in the class. Um, And so she wanted to understand um, what's going on in your brain when you're having food cravings or desire for, for certain items. Um, and so they put uh, people into an MRI machine before they started this uh, healthy diet and six months later and showed them images of foods like that are high calorie foods that aren't particularly healthy, like fried chicken or a bowl of Fruit Loops. Um, and you could see at the beginning of the study that the reward center in their brain lit up when they saw that piece of fried chicken or that bowl of sugary cereal. But as they stopped eating that kind of food and replaced it with healthier versions like a grilled chicken breast or a, uh, bowl of, uh, high fiber, uh, whole grain cereal, um, the reward system dimmed on the less healthy food and started lighting up a bit more on the healthier food. So it's um, it's it, it's habit, you know. It it takes time. Uh, so if you have a craving for certain things, it's not going to go away overnight, but it will start dimming over time. What's interesting is she says the key is not to just get rid of everything you love. It's to change the ingredients Because mm-hmm. according to her research, one of the reasons diets never stick is because if you restrict yourself from everything you enjoy, how long is that going to last? A month, two months, six months? Some people it might even last a year. Uh, but sooner or later, you're probably going to go back to it. Whereas if you change the ingredient, um, so... If you like chocolate, okay, well, allow yourself occasionally uh, a whole grain bran sticks, like all bran, dipped in dark, unsweetened chocolate as the occasional dessert and replace that chocolate eclair or that piece of uh, sugary chocolate cake with some all bran or strawberries dipped, uh, dipped in chocolate occasionally. So in other words, you know, don't just eliminate and think you're going cold turkey forever but start replacing with healthier
1: versions and then you can keep improving on it mhm and i think your body gets used to uh the better food so i mean and that it's it gives us yes. some hope we aren't we aren't yes. uh, we're not too far gone we're not ever too far gone No, oh i certainly hope not
4: because uh, <laughs> listen i used to think i used to think when i gave my kids craft dinner with a piece
1: of broccoli on the side that <laughs> was
4: really healthy cooking so
1: It wasn't the worst. Always have to look at the silver lining. There are (laughs) worse things in life because you know what my daughter, my daughter, we just talked about this at dinner, my daughter, um, my friend babysat her for the first time, a real traditional Italian home. And my daughter went over there and she said, what can I make for you? And she said, Craft dinner. Well, my friend had no idea what that was. And I thought, oh, that's great. That just looks good on me. This was a number of years ago. I've come a long way <laughs> since then. But you know what? We've all been, we've all been uh, part and of this problem. And you know what?
4: Who can resist it, right?
1: But, exactly. But, but what you might want to do is, okay, well,
4: let's try introducing uh, real uh, artisanal grated cheese, mm-hmm. fresher cheese, instead of a highly processed slice if we're melting it on pasta for our kids. You know, it's, 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 it's just introducing uh, different ingredients to the same idea.
1: Education. Education is key. It's exactly what you're doing for people. And just before we, we come to the end, very interesting um, part about tasteless tomatoes. I found that very interesting. Um, what are we doing to our tomatoes these days? Well, uh, this was interesting because this is something I'm sure... You go to the supermarket
4: and you're going to buy tomatoes and you're thinking, oh, they always taste so bland. What is, What? which one should I buy? Because then you go to Italy or somewhere, if, if you're lucky, go to Italy, or maybe uh, you buy uh, locally grown tomatoes that it may be more expensive, but at your local fresh market. And you go, why do these taste so much better? And the reason is, is that mass-produced commercial tomatoes have basically had the flavor bred out of them. Um, not necessarily intentionally. It's not like uh, you know the the growers have said, "Oh, let's get rid of the flavor." It's just that they have different goals, and that is how many how many tomatoes can we fit on one plant uh, and uh, ship far away? So we need to breed them. To uh, be big and last long, and all those kinds of things, well that ends up meaning usually that they're they're filled with a lot of water, uh, and that kind of kicks out the nutrients and the special chemicals called volatiles. That give tomatoes their flavor. It's a very. It was
1: very. I never. I never heard of the word volatile before. So it was very interesting. This this piece on tomatoes for me because we're not losing our mind. They are really not tasting as good as they used to. (laughs)
4: And and so there's a there's a a, a taste researcher and a horticulturalist in Florida who are trying to develop a, a tastier tomato. Um, and put some of those volatiles back in uh, tomatoes because if they taste sweeter, we might like them better. And that's maybe something more nutritious to add to your plate uh than an ultra processed
1: snack well let's face it you know we want something that tastes good and that's why these other foods have come in and swept the stage right but uh, very extremely well done i mean i i i for me just as a as a nutritionist i'm just it, it's extremely well done it touches on so many things and I'm, i'm i'm so so glad that we have this opportunity to share it with people and really get them excited about it you know overall i mean it's taken you a year what have you come away with? Uh, if you were going to write down three tips for good eating, what would they be?
4: Well, uh, Avoid ultra-processed as much as you can. And that means the stuff with all the added preservatives, additives, uh, chemicals, added sugar, uh, salt, hydrogenated oils. Just look at the ingredients and uh, think about, is this really real food or is this... Something uh, that's completely invented in a factory. That's number one. Number two, uh, think of a new S word, uh, fiber, um, because we underestimate how important fiber is. Everybody talks about how bad sugar is, and it really, you know, there are many dangers to too much added sugar. But the neglected part, I think, of the diet conversation is that in North America, we don't eat enough fiber, and fiber is really healthy for you. And, uh, the third thing would be, you know, stop stressing yourself, uh, out so much, uh, about fats versus carbs versus proteins versus counting calories. Uh, if the stuff you're eating is generally healthy, if you know, it doesn't necessarily low carb might work for some people, low fat might work for others. As long as nothing's like, in extremes and you're not eating that lousy ultra processed stuff, hopefully you're going to do okay.
1: Brilliant, Leora, thank you so much for joining us today. Leora Eisen's documentary is called Food for Thought. It airs on CBC's The Nature of Things, Sunday, January 6th at 8 p.m. The film is also available to watch online at the cbc.ca backslash, wa- backslash watch and on the CBC app on Friday, January the 4th from 12 noon. And I, Leora, you said we can also get tips... Um, is it cbc.ca, uh, the nature of things that you said? Yes, a lot if you go to
4: cbc.ca slash nature of things, um, the Food for Thought website is up and you can see all kinds of extra features, recipes from some of the uh, experts interviewed. Uh, interesting uh, material that didn't make it into the film, that kind of thing. So um, for more sort of healthy eating tips, I recommend uh, checking out uh, the CBC's uh, Nature of Things website.
1: Wonderful. Everybody, Happy New Year. Watch this documentary. Start your year off right. Leora, thank you so much for joining us, and we will talk to you next week on The Health Hub.
4: Thank you so much, and Happy New Year to you, too.